morning to do just that, to exalt your name on high. We thank you for the great privilege that we have as your kids here on the earth to gather together to worship you, to exalt you, to magnify you, to glorify you, to lift your name together, the name that is above every other name, the name that is above every title that can be given. Lord, we thank you that heaven hasn't skipped a beat. We thank you that your church is arising across this earth. We thank you for every congregation, for every tribe, for every nation, for every tongue that is singing and worshiping you around the globe this morning and this day. God, we thank you for the persecuted church. Lord, we just lift them up, those who are laboring for the gospel, those who are suffering for your name's sake. God, we thank you for the great privilege that we have in meeting in a public gymnasium to worship you and to hear from one another and to hear the prophetic voice from heaven and to hear your word, which is your voice in print. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have. And Lord, as these two families have come together together today in unity, Lord, I thank you that that is the place that you command a blessing. And Lord, we give you this morning, we give you the rest of this service. And Holy Ghost, we ask that you would touch us, that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us, that we would leave here having gathered and together and glimpsed and seen a little bit more of your majesty so that we can be changed into your image in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to be together. Don't grab a seat just yet, because if you do, I'm going to have you stand right back up again. (laughs) But I just want to welcome you if you're from Antioch Church in Wheaton. Can you just give us a holler, Antioch Church? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Can you give us a a holler if you're from Life Church? Yes, holler. So good. Just want to say thank you so much for being with us. I know this is a, a holiday weekend, Labor Day weekend, and loads of people are gone, but what a privilege we have to be together. I'm going to talk a little bit more in a moment just about uh, the journey together and what God has done with Andy and I in the, these, and the, over these last few months. But right now, what I'd love us to do is have the musicians continue to minister to us this song, um, uh, just to exalt him together. And I'd like us to break bread together. And so um, you are a well-taught people. And so I'm not going to spend a long time on communion other than to say this. Jesus says, continue to do this, to take this bread, which is, is for the healing of the body, and take the cup, which is the, for the forgiveness of sin. And this is what we do. It's a celebration. It's not a time to become all somber and, and inward-looking. When, when, when Paul says... If we take this in an unworthy manner, that is the reason why some are weak, sick, and some have even died. Then for, therefore, to take the cup in a worthy manner, which is to recognize the finished work of the cross, the opposite is true. We'll be healthy, strong, and live a long life. So where we take this cup together, when we come and gather, and, and I just want the, the two families, you know, may not know each other, but it's Jesus that brings us together. So as, these, as the musicians lead us again, and is, here I am to worship, to lift my hand, to exalt you together, they're going to minister. And if I can, just ask you in an, as orderly as we can to come to the front, take some, take, take some of the cup, uh, take some bread, and just go and find someone. And if you think, I don't really know what to say, I, I don't know them, just say, hey, this bread is for healing, and this cup 
is for the forgiveness of our sin, past tense. And so let's celebrate together. And then we're going to gather back together and and, uh, continue on with the meeting. Is that okay? Is that right? So, Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus. We thank you for the finished work of the cross. We thank you that we are no longer slaves. We thank you that we are no longer sinners. But we're not on a journey to the cross. We're on a journey from the cross. We're not doing things for love. We're doing things from love. We're not doing things for victory. We're doing things from a place of victory because of what you paid for on the cross. And, Lord, we thank you that all creation is waiting with eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. And Lord, in the way that only you can today, as we break bread to one another, with one another, two families that don't yet even know each other, Lord, we just recognize that it is you, the center of it all, the reason for it all, that we do this. And as we do it, Lord, I ask for healing in this place, healing of hearts, healing of physical bodies, healing of sickness and disease, healing of anxiety. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that it was finished. Thank you that you forgave our sin once and for all. And so as we gather now and we break bread with one another, just bless these families, bless this house, bless this room in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Are you okay to do this? Can we just find our way as orderly as we can? Maybe if you can, just find someone, ask them their name and just bless them. Say, this is for healing of your bodies. This is for the forgiveness of your sin. Amen.
Just so, because people are enjoying hanging, but just say, um, just say, can you start together back here, and so it's not jarring, and then, and then slow down. To Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Oh, wow, people said my name. Thank you. No, just kidding. <laughs> Good morning. Um, can we give the worship band a really huge applause? Thank you guys for serving. You do it so well. Okay, we're coming to another part of the meeting where we can, everyone can serve. Um, and it's the part of the meeting where we give, where we talk about giving. <laughs> um, <laughs> absolutely. Um, you know what? In Acts, the 20th chapter, the 35th verse, Apostle Paul tells, you know, the church, hey, it's better to give than to receive. But actually, that's true. But there's another side to that because in the Aramaic, it's actually translated it's better to try to give more than you have. <laughs> it's better to try to give more than you have. That's where the blessing comes in. And it said for those who do that, they are blessed. So I just want to admonish everyone today to think past your limits and give more than what you would normally give according to what you have, but give according to what your father has in the kingdom, which is unlimited resources, unlimited finances, unlimited healing, and everything else you need. Now, we're gonna call the ushers to get in position. They are in position, such great people. Um, for the other church that's here, thank you for being here and joining in with us. We love you. We appreciate you today. If you guys want to give in this offering and you want to take part, you can just write on your envelopes that you want to give to your church, and it will go exactly, every penny, every dime will go exactly to where you uh, want it distributed to. Okay? 
All right, let's give. Alrighty. Okay, so this is a time in our service where all of the kids ages four-year-old to fifth grade can head to the back door. Back there, you'll see our workers raising their hands. You can line up over there. They'll direct you to where you can go. Uh, kids and parents, if you can, we need you to have a sticker for your child. They can help you with it back there before they go into class, just so that we can maintain peace and a good environment that's safe and fun, right? Because we want to take care of your kids and we love them. So um, kids, you are released. Go ahead. All right, I'm going to bring up Mel for the announcements. Thank you. <laughs> hello, hello. First, I have to say, it's really good to see Brooke and Wes because I know that they've been traveling back and forth to our church in Morris and leading there. And we thank you guys. You guys are amazing. Okay, so has everybody seen the brand new bulletin? I don't make these for nothing. Right, right? There's so much information in here, I had to like make it small print. So I'm going to give you a little bit of it right now. First, there is no Leadership 360 tonight because of the holiday weekend. Just for anybody that normally goes to that, there is not going to be that. Um, Wednesday, this week, we are having our all-church Family Matters meeting at our uh, building in St. Charles and the Sanctuary. All members and regular attenders are uh, encouraged to be there. We do have an area set up in the back for people with kids, so there'll be snacks and activities. But if at least one person from each family could be there, it'd be great. Um, the last Stronger Marriage Night is on Friday, coming up, so that's just a reminder for all those people that normally go to that. Men's Breakfast, next the Saturday, two weeks, the 14th, at the Reynolds House from 8 to 10 for all the men. Bacon, I think, probably. <laughs> and um, st Stature, our 50s and up group, 50-ish. They are having a movie night, but they have kind of opened it to anybody that wants to come see Finger of God 2. Jamie Schmitz bought it and wants to show it, so she's excited about it. Anybody can kind of go to that. Just let Jamie know. And also, I just want to plug the softball team really quick. Ben Nolman is out of town, but he, he needs more people to sign up because there's not enough for a team yet. Or women. Danielle doesn't want to play alone, so and sign up. It's, there's a sign up at the back, so... There you go. There's your stuff. All righty.
Now I get to introduce our speaker. I will make it quick so he has as much time as possible. Are you ready to go? <laughs> oh, we got a few more announcements. You want to do those? Sweet. I don't have anything else to do. Awesome. Dan Reynolds. Can we give it up for Dan Reynolds? Thanks, Jimmy. Hey, well, very quickly, um, I just want to uh, have George. George, can you come up here? George and Craig Miller. And uh, George is going to introduce this man of God really quick. Thanks, Pastor Dan. <clears throat> uh, a number of you know uh, my wife, Pat, and I. Uh, we started attending here in September of 2011. And this church was very instrumental in encouraging us, activating us to do ministry uh, which I never thought I'd be doing healing and freedom conferences. And a number of you have, have been at those conferences. The church first one was at Life Church. And I'm so, I'm so grateful for Pastor Dan and Fee and uh, Jeremy and Diana. And what uh, Fee said during worship, um, we're all hurting. We're all wounded. We, we, you can't go through life without getting touched in some way. And I'm so grateful that this church has ministries like Sozo, RTF. And so in my journey, uh, Craig Miller has come along and become really good friends, uh, him and his wife Marilyn, with us. He's in town tonight. If you, uh, uh, how many have heard of Hub Ministries? Okay, he's speaking at Hub tonight. If you get a chance, go. You'll, you'll see what he does. Uh, he's been invited back more than anybody I know. And so what he carries and the anointing, he's a Christian therapist, um, minister, uh, counselor. I met him. Uh, he wrote a book with Randy Clark. And so, you know, we're all into that uh, uh, getting whole and so forth. So he's here, uh, and Pastor Dan graciously uh, is allowing him to, to uh, greet the church. I am working to put something together to bring him here, maybe November if it works out or after on a Saturday and a Sunday, and he's just an amazing, amazing person. How many would give their Labor Day weekend to travel six hours driving to minister to people in Chicago? He's from Michigan. But anyway, here's Craig. Wow. Right, real quick. All right. So uh, the Hub Ministries, it's, um, it's actually in Itasca, at the Eaglewood Resort, all right? So I'll be speaking there, there'll be, there'll be worship. It's not a church, it's just people getting together and just loving the Lord and having more. And they've had amazing speakers there. Heidi uh, Baker's been there and just many others. And so I, I just want to tell you real quick, because um, I don't want to take up a lot of time. How many here are, this is a yes or no question, how many people are smart people? Yes or no? Yes? Okay, I gotta ask this one again, all right? <laughs> Okay, how many people are smart here? Yes. Okay, you've got to be smart because you're coming to an up-and-coming church that the Spirit is flowing, and you've got, you've got the leaders here that are in the Spirit. They're anointed, allowing the Holy Spirit to come, and they're Brits. To, to, not only that, look, I want them to teach me how to speak like they speak because I love that accent, all right? And that's where Randy Clark and I actually, we were in Bath on the bus on the way to Heathrow, when we were sitting together, we were talking about I said, we love he's seeing people healed, but we, our heart is broken, and the ones we remember are the ones that are not. And he said, I said, Randy, he said, after my 40 years of working uh, in ministry as well as, I said, the difference is this. 
So we were talking, he said, if, why, why do we then, we accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior in our hearts, and uh, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that we, we dwell in the Spirit, the Spirit dwells in us. So when you accept Jesus, you have all the power and all the authority of Jesus, right? So you're going to heaven, have all the power, uh, you know Jesus, you're in a spiritual church, why do we come to church then? Why do we have anxiety and depression in our life? It, it doesn't make sense. It's because it's not about sense. It's about emotion. And that's in the soul. And what I deal with is the church deals terrifically about the spirit. Because when we accept Jesus, we accept Jesus in our core. And then we, we pray out of the core through the soul. And the soul is the next arena. The soul is made up of the mind, will, and emotions. And then we pray through the soul to bring healing to the body, the body in general, not, not this body, but all our senses and, and the natural man. The problem is if you have soulish stuff, it's going to block you from having that healing. So your worship leader was right. He was right that you need to identify your emotion, uh, the things that are going on, and that's what you need to then go to the Lord and say, Lord, where did I start that? Because if you're a smart person, and you really are, you really are, then you think about it, why do I have that emotion that doesn't make sense? It's not an adult issue. When you say I'm bad, not good enough, unworthy, hopeless, helpless, those are, those are adult words with childhood content. So you need to find out where that came from. That's what I work on, and that's what I'm going to be talking about tonight, and that's what I saw. You use your, use your ministries here, but continue to ask the Lord for more so you can release that through that ministry. And I, the books that I've written with Randy and the ones after that are all about what we do next and why our healing doesn't happen. The one I wrote with Randy is finding victory when healing doesn't happen. And so that's what I talk about. I work in that, and that's what I do. And praise God. Thank you. This is an awesome church. I would love to speak sometime, but come to see me tonight. Thanks. Thank you so much, Greg. Bless you. Amen. Wonderful. Amazing. Hey, just very quickly, uh, for Life Church, we have an all-church family matters meeting. I know this has already been said, but just to reiterate again, at 7 o'clock in our church building in downtown St. Charles this coming Wednesday. If you can, as many people that can possibly make it, make it. Um, we're just going to just have a, a discussion together and uh, just uh, questions and answers about stuff going on. And uh, so if you feel like, I don't know what's happening, you must come so you can ask all your questions. And I think you may have got an email this week. Send it, if you have any question that you want specifically answered, email it through and uh, we will give a Q and R. That means response because we don't claim to always have the answers. So they're questions and responses. Okay. Um, isn't God amazing? It's so fun to follow the Lord. I found this, that God is really clever. He's really, really clever. And some, a few months ago, I was sitting in a coffee shop, actually the coffee shop where Life Church started with about uh, 20, 20 people. Uh, it was called the Ragamuffin then. And I just started into a 40-day fast. And I was given this word um, from Hebrews about entering his rest. And the writer of Hebrews says this, you need to strive to enter his rest, which, which sounds funny, doesn't it? But in other words, you have to work hard to not work hard. 
And I, as I entered this, this time of, of, of fasting, I found that I had to really push into God in a whole new way to find that place of rest. It's like one of those games, those labyrinth games. You remember the ball bearings and there's a circle in the middle and you have to turn it until the, until the ball bearing finds its center. And they get even more complicated when it's a maze and now you're having to work through the maze to get it into the middle. It gets even more complicated when there's two or three ball bearings and you've got to figure this out. And you're working hard to get seated. And Ephesians 2 says we're seated with him. And as I went into this time of just fasting and praying, I, I was in this coffee shop about to meet someone and I had about 15 minutes to myself and I thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to practice the presence of God. I'm going to find his presence. The presence is when God is present. And so there I am. I went around the corner and I sat and I got my coffee. It's now called uh, Carva DM in downtown St. Charles. And I opened my hands and I said, Holy Spirit, good morning. And as I sat there, we just quietly before him, working hard to not work hard, working hard to enter his rest. And I was just, just there. You know, in Peter it says, be clear-minded then so that you can pray. And so often we go to the Lord with a shopping list of things that we, we need or we're worried about. And Lord, please do this. And Lord, be with me. And, but often those things aren't actually prayer. They're just lists of anxieties. But as I sat there, I said, God, I just need to meet with you. Good morning. And he said this to me. He said, will you follow me? Uh, and I said, yeah, I will. I always follow you. He said, no, you don't. <laughs> and as I sat there... Just enjoying that moment, I could tangibly sense his presence. In my right ear, I heard an English accent. Now, I was like, wow. Now, I was deliberately hidden myself so I could just be on my own with the Lord for about 15 minutes. And I leant forward, and I saw someone talking, and I heard this English accent. And I was about to say, all right, mate, which is what you say if you're from England. It's like the American version of how you doing? Right? I was about to say that, and the Holy Spirit said, shh. So I sat back, and again he said, will you follow me? I said, I will. I always follow you. He said, no, you don't, and I'm not going to follow you. I'm asking you, will you follow me? And again, I found myself seated in this moment where I'm like, what? And as I'm going to fast forward this story because you, many of you have already heard it, but um, the night before, we were sitting with a couple who were talking about a church in Wheaton. And the conversation was very short, and I asked, they'd come, they'd been in this church a, a long time before, and I, I'd, uh, they'd said something about the pastor, and he was from England, and I was like, wow, I'd love to meet him, and they said, there's something happening, God's moving, not sure what, and in my heart, something was like, ah, I, I wish I could help. That was the extent of the conversation. And as I'm sitting here listening to the Holy Spirit saying, will you follow me, I, and then when I leant forward to say hi, and he said, shh. I just found myself staying still. And as I listened, I couldn't hear the conversation in full, but I heard the word church, and I heard the word Holy Spirit. So it was, are you the person he was talking to? Is they, are they here? Is Andy is the other person here that you were talking to? No, not Andy, but the other person you were talking to that day. Oh, okay. Um, I, th I thought I saw that, saw that person. Anyway, so I'm, so I, I'm just like, wow, this is amazing. And suddenly I realized, it's like the eyes, their eyes were opened. It was like I realized, oh my gosh, this is the pastor of the church this couple was talking about the night before, literally as I went to bed. And 
I, could, I was here listening to words like Holy Spirit and listening to words like church. And, I, I, you know, I'm feeling like I'm an eavesdropper and this is all a bit weird and I don't know what to do. And the Holy Spirit said, will you follow me? And then every time I move, he says, shh. And then Talia, who, was, who, was, uh, who I was about to meet, showed up and she said, isn't this amazing, this church fast we're going through? God's doing all these things. I said, yeah, he's doing something right now. And so I went online, and all I can remember is uh, Church Wheaton, Pastor England. Boom, this first church came up, and it was called Antioch Church. And wow, and I, and I went to leader's page and clicked, and sure enough, oh my gosh, that's the guy. And his name was Andy Doyle. I'm like, oh, so this is great. Now, then suddenly Andy stood up, and he was talking to somebody else. Their meeting finished. The coffee shop is now full of people. And the Holy Spirit said, go. I said, go where? He said, get up. Go after him. So I went after him, and I was pushing through the crowds. And he left the parking lot. It's beginning to rain, and he's walking across the parking lot. And I shouted, Andy. Nothing. So I shouted really loud, Andy. And he turned around, and he looked at me. He went, me? I went, Yeah. And he looked at me and said, do I know you? I said, no. He said, then how do you know my name? I'm like, oh. Uh, well, uh, so he's walking towards me now like this, like kind of stunned. And then we meet, and we're just looking at each other's eyes. And I'm like, so, um, well. I, I heard about church in Wheaton and last night from somebody about 10 o'clock at night. And then I'm on this 40-day fast, and I went to this coffee shop, and I opened my hands, and I got my coffee. I said, good morning, Holy Spirit. And he said, will you follow me? And I said, yes, I always do. He said, no, you don't. I'm not going to follow you. Will you follow me? And I said, yes. <laughs> then I heard an English accent in my right ear, and I leant forward, and I saw you. And then I was going to say hi, and he said, don't say hi. So I leant back again. And then he said, will you follow me? And I said, yes. And then I did I preached this process. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, this is the guy that, was, that someone was talking about last night. So then I saw your face online, and then I realized it was you. And then you got up and walked out, and the Holy Spirit said, follow you. Hi. <laughs> and we just both welled up with tears and just gave each other a hug. And, and he said, God's with us. God's with me. And I'm like, yeah. He said, so what's going on? I said, bro, I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, and I said, look, here's my number. I know you've got to go, but I, I see you. So Andy called me, and the next day we had breakfast, and we talked for like an hour and a half, and short talking stories, and he said, so why are you here? I said, well, I just got back from England, and, and uh, he said, yeah, so you live here in St. Charles? I said, yeah. He said, or in Geneva? He said, I live just down the road. I was like, you like live in walking distance of my house. This is crazy. He said, yeah. He said, so there's a church around here. I've heard great stuff about it. It's called Life Church. I went, oh, I must have missed that bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to that church. He goes, what? So anyway, right, then he said, we're not meeting on Sunday. I said, why don't you come to be with us? So the whole church family came on Sunday morning, and if you remember, if you're part of Life Church, we just felt to take up an offering and just bless this family. We did that, and then we just thought, okay, cool, see ya. I don't know what's happening now, and then we continued to, to have lunch together and talk and pray together, and God would show up, and then he said, I'd love you to come and meet my leadership team, and then I was like, wow, and I met the leadership team at Antioch Church, and I just sat there. I was just an observer in someone's house, and they began to prophesy of each other and encourage one another. And I was so encouraged by the, the stature of the way they prophesied, the, the, the caliber of the words, and the strength. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? You know, his word, the Bible says, my word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And we've been on a journey as a church here. Sometimes all you have is a lamp, and a lamp in those days, only went about three feet, which means you can't run even if you want to. And sometimes God's word only provides for us a lamp. Other times, it's, other times it's a light unto our path. And so we continued a journey, and at the end of that meeting, I just said, hey, um, listen, uh, 
I'm just going to, I've just talked this through with the, with our, with our elders and, and just had this thing about harboring like a boat that's been out at sea and has a mission. And when boats come under fire, sometimes they go into a harbor. And I just want to offer this to you. And, uh, just, you know, on behalf of our elders, if, if you wanted to harbor with us for a time, and as long as you like, uh, you're welcome to do so. And, uh, we just love to have you. And I don't really know any more than that. And, but you're welcome. And, so they came back, and uh, I'm going to have Andy come up and just greet you all in a minute so you can see his face and hear from him just for a little bit. But church, this is what this is all about. And so often we can try and figure out, and I found out, when I try and over-figure out what God's doing, I just mess it up. But, but what I do know is God really is clever. He really actually does know what he's doing. He really is the commander-in-chief. He really is the CEO. He really is our father. It's interesting he talks to pray our father. It's not just yours, not just mine. He's our father. He's in heaven. How awesome is his name? Let his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. There's something that when we just say, God, we really do trust you. And we're not just going to be running after programs and performances and personalities. But, Lord, we really do want your presence. In other words, we do want you to be present. And so, church, um, I just want all of you to hear this just from me. Um, we have a lot of people from all over the world come and stay at our house, individuals that harbor, pastors, ministers, and they come and they stay in our guest room, and some of them sleep most of the day, and we just say, just come and relax, unwind, hide yourself here, get restored, and then get on a plane and go wherever you've got to go. And I said to Andy and I prayed this morning and just had a coffee together, and I said, Andy, I just want to be really clear. Um, this isn't a bait and switch here. Um, when we say harbor, we just say, come and harbor. And as Hannah Stoltz said, one of the elders, our elders said, she said, the water is deep enough. Harboring is all about having deep enough water. And the water is deep enough here. And so um, I just want to say this. When, when someone comes to stay in our house um, and we just say, you're just here to rest, recoup, get refreshed, rejuvenated. If on the second day, like, hey, why are you here? Would you mind mowing the lawn? <laughs> they would be like, uh, Absolutely. You know, the reality is, if I asked them to mow the lawn, they, they could say, and rightly so, if I knew there were chores involved in this, I've I, I, I got my own lawn to mow at home. I, I just, but, you know, if they stayed a while and just said, hey, I'm kind of bored. Is there anything I can do? It's like, if you, you're here to rest. If you really want to do something, if you want, you can mow the lawn, but you really don't have to. Can you see the difference? So I want, uh, I'm saying this to everyone from Antioch Church in, Church in Wheaton. You are welcome. You're here to get refreshed, rejuvenated. I do not know what the future holds. I really don't. But I know someone who does. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he really, really does. He really is the head of his church. Secondly, we don't, really, we don't want your money. And we don't want every single penny. If you give into the offering, just write Antioch, as Talia already says, church. And every single penny will go there. There's no cut. There's no bait and switch. There's no angle here. All we're doing is one thing that we know for absolute sure is God is really clever, and he did this. <laughs> and if he, if he started something, he will see it to, through to completion. The problem is when we try and figure out prematurely what we think he's trying to do, we mess it all up, and the Lord goes, okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> It was an 11-day journey. You took 40 years, people of God. You, you, you could have done it in 11 days, but okay, we'll just wait for another generation. We can get this right if, if we keep in step with the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. If we walk in sonship, as we walk as daughters of the King, we will get this right, and it will marvel. But one thing I do love is when we dwell together in unity, God commands a blessing. Therefore, therefore watch this, the opposite must be true. Where we don't, he doesn't. Hello. So, um, Andy, will you come on up here, bud, and just come and say hi to these people? This is Andy Doyle. Shelly, you want to come too? Shelly, you want to come too? 
Uh, good morning. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I visited, we visited, I think, three months ago. had no idea what God was going to do. Um, I dearly, dearly love my church. I'm delighted for you to meet with them. We're mostly sat over there. I think we'll mingle more. Uh, hands up if you're from either Antioch, Chicago, or Antioch, Florida. I would... <laughs> I would love you to get a chance to meet these people. I love them from the bottom of my heart. And so it's a privilege uh, for Dan to listen to the Holy Spirit and obey. As a church, we've been through a couple of storms. And those storms have been kind of tiring and unexpected. But what seemed to happen was that God was inviting us to say yes to the invitation of harboring. Something completely unexpected. As a church, we want to be all about discipleship, reaching the lost, um, and harboring is something totally different than we've never heard from before. But I am so, so grateful that there is a God who isn't territorial. It's His kingdom, and the churches work together to bring His kingdom here on earth. So we actually have three churches here with us today, and we would love to love you well. We'd love to relax and worship with you. Um, you will love the people like I have fallen in love with them. Uh, we're, I'm just overwhelmingly grateful that Dan obeyed when he said, will you listen to me? And I would encourage each one of us, when we hear from God, whether it's through someone else or quiet time or through Scripture, if he asks us to do something, if you say yes something infinitely greater than you can possibly imagine will happen. Just that simple, how are you in a coffee shop, that simple, uh, can I pray for you in the mall, can change a trajectory tremendously. So we're here. I'm, I have nothing more interesting to say than God loves us more than we can possibly imagine. I'm going to share that God loves you blessing now. So if it's your first time at church, your last time at church, you're part of Life Church, part of Antioch, Chicago, part of Antioch, Florida, this is the most true thing about you. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. He loves you with a love that has no beginning and no ending. It's a love you cannot earn and which you could never lose. It doesn't matter if you feel like a success or a failure, God loves you. It doesn't matter if you're righteous or guilty, God loves you. It doesn't matter if you feel alone or surrounded by friends, God loves you. In fact, God loves you enough to send his son Jesus to live for you, to die for you, and to be raised from the dead for you. And even right now, as we're sat here in Geneva, Jesus is sat at the right hand of his Father, speaking words of love on our behalf. And he will come again to renew you and all of creation because he loves you. Friends, this is the most true thing about us. God loves us. Before anything else can be said, this must be said. God loves you, and that will never change. Be at peace. Thank you. Amen. Thanks, buddy. Do you want your Bible? <laughs> Fantastic. All right. I'm gonna, I've just got a few things to share. I don't really want to preach, preach a message today. I just uh, want to capture um, what God is saying. You know, I, I found that so much of the New Testament model is the teaching came after what just happened. 
So in, in, in Luke, sorry, in Acts chapter 1, Luke writes this. He says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote to you about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Everyone say, do and teach. So the teaching came after the doing. So after the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and says, listen carefully to me. Let me explain this to you. These people aren't drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. No, this is what Joel was prophesying about. So he begins to teach that which just happened. So often today's church, we teach and teach and teach and, and sometimes do or just hope that something will happen. But I really want to just capture what God is doing in this moment and just bring a few thoughts from the Word of God for it. Is that okay? Now, for those who don't know, we normally finish at 12.15. I plan to do just that. So if, you can, if you're planning and you're just here for the first time, you're like, when does this meeting finish? We should be finished in about 26 minutes. Is that okay? So can you hold on for 26 minutes? I, I do go fast. I, I'm kind of I'm realizing this about me. I either have two speeds, either, uh, either on or off. And I kind of go fast when I'm on. So uh, fasten your seatbelts and we're going to go. Is that all right? Today I want to talk about hope. Having a hope. Will you turn to the person next to you and say, have a hope. Have a hope. And you can start turning to uh, Proverbs chapter 13. That's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, jump off today. I've got four points and uh, it spells the word hope. H-O-P-E. And uh, don't criticize me too much. I wrote this this morning early as the sun was coming up, and I just said, good morning, Holy Spirit. What would you like to say to your church this morning? So um, I was just talking to Andy this morning, and uh, when I said to Andy what I was the passage and one of the points, he was like, I've, te- I've taught on this at, at, uh, at uh, Antioch Church. So some of you in the church there will be familiar with this passage, and um, we've gleaned uh, some of the very same things from it. So, But um, who can finish this, this scripture for me without looking? Ready? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hands up if you've ever heard that scripture before or quoted that scripture or been able to relate to that scripture. Just put your hand up. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Without looking, can anyone tell me what the rest of that scripture is? Just put your hand up high. Two people. Three, four. Four, five, six, seven. Before I say anything, isn't it really interesting that we all know the beginning part, but we don't know the second part? Because the second part says this. Well done for all those who put your hands up. The second part is this, is but. Everyone say but. There's a really big but in this scripture. It says, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Don't you find it fascinating that we really know the negative part, but we didn't actually know how to memorize the good part? That after the but comes good news, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. But hope deferred makes the heart sick. I believe God's people should be glistening and gleaming with hope. I believe God's people across this earth should be the happiest people on the planet because we have a hope. We grieve not as those who have no hope. Hope. He who has the most influence, sorry, the most hope has the most influence. You can tweet that, you can write it down. He who has the most hope has the most influence. And Isaiah 2 says this, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord will be the chief mountain and the world will come to Zion and say, teach us your ways. I believe God's people should be full of hope. 
The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's joy in the Holy Ghost. We should be pretty happy. Do you, do you agree? Is it just me? I just, I'm going to preach myself happy. This is, this is good. Jesus says the kingdom of God is like yeast that works through the whole batch of dough. A big batch of dough and a teaspoon of yeast. And when it comes into contact with the dough, it comes alive. Hope. Hope. It's so important we're full of hope. You know, you cannot unsee what you've seen. The reason you're here together today, and as we've already heard about broken hearts, about disappointment, when things get in, get lodged into our hearts, it's so important that we get them out because there is an enemy. I hate overemphasizing the enemy. I don't want to glorify the enemy. I don't want to talk about too much about him. I want to talk about Jesus. But Paul does say this in his letters, do not be ignorant of Satan's devices. There is a device, and what he wants to do is take away hope. He wants to take away our faith. He wants to discourage us, disappoint us, disarm us. He wants to diss us, basically. And every word you can think of about disarming, disappointment, discourage, that's what he wants to do because the enemy wants to discourage us. In Daniel chapter 7, it says this, Before the Ancient of Days comes, the enemy will come to weary the saints. Everyone say weary weary the word weary means to make old before it's time to make old before it's time you ever felt worn down like oh, I just don't know if I can keep doing this this is where hope comes in this is where God comes in and brings fresh hope and that we're here by virtue of the fact that we've seen something we're here on flip chairs in a gym on a Sunday morning on a holiday weekend why because we've seen something greater than ourselves Something is caught. Eternity is in our hearts. You can't unsee what you've seen. It's, gra- it's gripped us. It's grabbed us. And it's caused us to have a hope. Hope defers, makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Here's my four points. You ready? Because now I've only have 20 minutes. Ready? We have four points. Four, four, four points. <laughs> There's three types of people in this world, those who are good at math and those who aren't. Four, four, four. Somebody shouted once, that was only two. I, I, I know. Yeah. So the first is, the first is, what's the letter for hope? First letter is H. Okay, you're, you're with this, good. So the first letter of, for hope is the heart. Will you say that with me, the heart? The heart. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. There's some, or heart. There's something in the heart. There, there's something in our heart. And there's something, I, I don't want to dig too much into this. I know Andy Doyle's already done this with, with uh, at the church in Antioch, and we've heard it here. But it's, there's a principle in Luke chapter 1, and it's the story of, um, of Zachariah. Do you remember Zachariah? Zachariah's wife, Elizabeth, was old in years, and she was barren. And the angel of the Lord rocks up, the angel Gabriel, and he says this, Blessed are you, you are highly favored of the Lord. Your wife is going to have a child. And Zechariah scoffs and said, It's never going to happen. You know, the heart is the place where God's word resides. It's also the point, place where disappointment lives, and they're competing for space. Everyone say heart. Put your hand on your heart for a second. 
this heart of ours, is the place where God's word should reside. It's also the place where disappointment lives and they're competing for space. We know that in Zachariah's heart, there was disappointment. How do we know that? Because he wanted to have a child. It was a disappointment that had lodged. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when the angel Gabriel comes with good news, your wife is going to have a child and you're to call him John, John the Baptist. His response is, that's never going to happen. And the angel Gabriel said this, because you've said that, I'm going to zip your mouth and you're going to be mute for the next nine months. Why? Because life and death is in the power of the tongue. We need to be careful what we say in times of disappointment because what we speak and what we say into the atmosphere carries life and carries death. If you don't get anything else this morning, church, know this, be careful what you say in seasons of disappointment because life and death are in the power of the tongue. And I'm convinced that Gabriel zipped his mouth so that he didn't mess up his own miracle. And in times of disappointment, we have to say, God, I'm hurting here. Lord, I'm disappointed. Things didn't work out the way that I thought, in the timing that I thought. God, where are you? What are you doing? It's so important that we check our heart, check our heart, check our heart, check our heart. We don't let disappointment in. That very same passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 1, we don't have time to read it today, but read it on your own. In the very same passage, Luke chapter 1, the same Gabriel goes to some, the same angel, angel Gabriel, goes to someone else. Her name is Mary with exactly the same promise in exactly the same time that she did to Zechariah. And when Mary, who is going to be married to Joseph, hears this, she says, what kind of greeting is this? She was afraid. Same initial response. And he says, Mary, you're going to have a child and you're to call him Jesus and he's going to be the son of the Most High God. And the response, the word was the same, but the response was different. Why? Because the condition of her heart was different. And when she heard good news, her response instead of, nah, I don't want any more disappointing words. Have you ever been like that? I don't, I, I don't know if I can hear another prophetic word. I, the Lord says this to you. You're like, yeah, really? I've got nine that still haven't happened. I don't know if I can take any more disappointment. I can't handle a sick heart. But if we deal with this, we can be like Mary. And when good news came, she was freaked out. She was, I don't know, exactly the same initial response. But what she said out of her mouth was this, may it be unto me according to your will. May it be unto me according to your will. I don't know how I'm going to explain this to my husband to be. He's not even, I'm not even married yet. I've got to go tell him that I'm pregnant and God made me pregnant. That's a little weird. That's a little terrifying. But church, can you hear what I'm saying? In to have a hope, it starts with the heart. Turn to the person next to you and say, it starts with the heart. It starts with the heart. It starts with the heart. You know, um, if you've ever had an EKG You've ever had a test on your heart? They, they try and figure out what's going on in your heart and it, what's the rhythm of your heart. Is there something wrong with your heart? And you can do yourself a little EKG or you can do a spiritual EKG this week and ask yourself these three questions. And I often ask myself this when I feel my heart's getting hurt. And it's number one, is my heart full of thanksgiving? Number two, is my heart life-giving? Is it full of life-giving? Is it pumping life, which is what a heart in the natural is meant to do? And number three, is my heart forgiving? Everyone say forgiving. 
there's a key there. Is my heart forgiving? Is it forgiving? Is it forgiving? Is it forgiving? I've told this story before. That there's a story of a man who was 106 years old, still driving a car and driving across America. And when asked the secret to his longevity and why he'd lived so long, he said, number one, I live like royalty. I actually believe I'm a child of the king. 106, still driving. He said, number two, I've determined never to have bitterness or hurt or unforgiveness of any time in my heart. At any time, I can't afford to. I want my heart to keep ticking and it can't afford to get jammed. And number three, he said, I chew every mouthful 32 times. <laughs> so, number one is the heart. You know, this morning as I was leaving the house, we, we, I just put this net curtains up to going out to the backyard because now the air, we're trying to turn our air conditions off and you want to have the doors open. The problem with leaving the doors open is flies get in. Then at the end of the day, when you close the door, the house is full of flies and I don't like flies. Anybody like flies? I've never met somebody who's like, I'm just so into flies. I just, flies are just great. Never. There's something about flies, they carry disease. And one of the words for the devil, watch this, is Beelzebub, which means Lord of the Flies. One of the names for the devil is the Lord of the Flies. And the reason why is what flies do is they land in excrement, they land in disease, they land in things that are off, that are, that are gross, and then they go and look, watch this, for open wounds so that they can pollute and put those toxins and that waste and that excrement into the wound. Watch this. This is, this is change your life. Where David says, search me, O God, and see if there be any, often it's translated wicked way, the actual translation is the word hurt and pain. And it's the only time it comes up in the, in the scriptures, hurt and pain. So what David is saying, God, search me, see if there's any hurt, any wound in me. Why? Because if there's a hurt and a wound in me, Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, will come and put, and put excrement into it. Can you see this? This is so important. So that's why our heart, everyone say heart, is so important that we guard it. Above all things, guard your heart. Number two is optimism. Hands up if you just by, 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 by nature, you're just optimistic. You're kind of a, the glass is half full kind of person. That's, can I encourage you to be a person, people of hope? We have to be optimistic. That's why it starts with the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to know what someone's in, in, in some, someone's heart, listen to what comes out of their mouth. But living in a place of speaking the reality of what God's word says over what we believe in the natural is really important. Amen? And that means, do you remember in Kings it says, Elijah says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. He was praying for rain. And living in a place of faith is saying, is not focusing on what God hasn't done, but focusing on what he has done. It's not focusing on the things that have the potential of causing disappointment, which ends in a sick heart, but actually focusing on the promises of God and what he said. I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Hope always says, but God. Say, but God, but God. This has happened, this has happened, this has happened, and this has happened. If you read in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says, I was shipwrecked, I was abandoned, I was left light and day on the open sea, I was in danger from false brothers, I, I, was, I was beaten with rods, I had 40 lashes minus one. And he says, and beside all of this, 
I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Pressure, 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 pressure. I've had all these things happen. But he answers how he feels. And he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, he starts, he says, we're hard-pressed on every side. And then he, he changes gear in, in verse 16, and he says, but God. He says, but God. Therefore, these light and momentary troubles, watch this church, this will bless you. This will cause us to go from pessimism into optimism. If you hear this, he says, he says this, for these light and momentary troubles are achieving, everyone say achieving, for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What? Wow. In other words, if you will keep your gaze on things above, Colossians says, set your heart and your mind on things above where Christ is seated. We're, on a, we're racing towards eternity. This is a tiny blip in, the ocean, in, the, in, the, in an ocean, if you like, this lifetime. But Paul is saying for these light, light and momentary, that's pretty rough. Being abandoned and left night, being whipped. facing all, He says they're light and momentary compared to this. And he says, therefore... We fix on our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Wow! Come on, let's live in eternity. Say, God, yeah, this didn't happen the way I thought. Yeah, I'm disappointed by that, but I'm not going to let that disappointment in. Because church, if we let the disappointment in, watch this, it will defile the moment when God shows up with good news. And God always brings good news. The gospel means good news. And so many people, the enemy picks them off because he shows up one day with good news. Hey, sunshine, I got some good news. Don't want to hear it. What? I got sick heart. Can't hear any more good news. I'm too disappointed. What? Well, then I'm going to have to shut your mouth and make you mute because you're going to mess this miracle up, sunshine. So sit down, shut up, until I've done what I want to do with you, because there's destiny. You're pre you need to be pregnant with destiny. And just because it didn't happen in your timing, boo-hoo. I'll try Mary. Mary. I know this is a lot for you to figure out and, and tell your husband, but you are also going to have a baby. May it be unto me, according to your will. There's hope. The heart is living in a place, ready to receive God's word, rather than where disappointment has jammed itself and lives. So church, let's live in opt optimism. It's achieving for us an eternal glory. And if you're here this morning, I'm nearly done, when you just feel like, I, I've messed up. I, I, I just feel like I'm, fail I'm a failure. I, I've, if you only knew what I really goes on in my mind. You know, God already does. Hello, he knows you better than you know you. And that thing you're trying to hide from everybody else, that's why when we sing the songs this morning about God and they're vertical, they're not just all about us. It's like, you know, he really does know you. He knows where you're at. You know, most of the Bible was written by a bunch of scallywags. A bunch of people who just really messed up. I was sharing at a prayer meeting this week for people who feel crippled because their kids aren't walking with the Lord. You know, God is the perfect parent. And his grandkids committed murder. Is that a reflection on God? No, it speaks of a God that gives us choice. And if God gives us choice, then we then we must give people choice. And when people make choices that we don't think that they should make, like the rich young ruler, we should look at them with love in our hearts and love them even though they're making a decision that we don't think that they should make. That's the heart of the Father. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Boom. Hmm. Noah was a drunk. God used him. 
Moses, Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a, had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Christ. The disciples fell asleep while they were praying. Martha worried about everything. Mary Magdalene, well, you know what she did. The Samaritan, the Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus was too small. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. And God still used them all. So can we live in a place of optimism and fix our eyes not on what we see, but what is unseen for what is seen is temporary. Everyone say temporary. What is unseen is eternal. And Paul says these light and these momentary troubles. You say, well, it doesn't feel very light and momentary troubles. Then fix your gaze on eternity. And, I, I, you know, the, by virtue of the fact that you're sitting here today and you've traveled on this weekend and there's something in you that you've seen something. And my dad always says this, you can't unsee what you've seen. And if the eternity has gripped your heart, if eternity is in your heart, you've seen something, then it causes us to do everything to the audience of one. The, the purpose of the church is to extend the kingdom. The kingdom is bigger than the church. Acts begins with Jesus speaking for 40 days about the kingdom of God. Acts closes with Paul boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God. And so often in a Western church, we can be so consumer-based rather than being consumed-based consumed by him by his purpose i said to someone the other day i don't really care what church you go to because ultimately there's one church but what i do care is that you are passionate about the kingdom of god and find the church the vehicle that you can best work together and i, I just want to say this to antioch and, and life church well when, when andy and i sit and the other day i said andy what makes you tick what's what you know what's we know god brought us together and that's our starting point which is so exciting because we're on a journey with him and we neither of us know where it's going but he started to talk about the things that as a church, Antioch, you, you do so well and you're passionate about. And, and when he articulated them, I'm like, huh, we're not very good at those things. <laughs> Interesting, huh? You know, we're better together. And I know we're together for a season and we don't know what God's going to do. And by the way, we really don't. You know, people are like, well, what's really going on? That's it. That's, that's the story behind the story. We're following the cloud by day and the fire by night. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. But oh, I know, but what's really going on? You know, suspicion is discernment's evil twin. There's no suspicion here. We've told you the truth. That's it. We're following God. And you ask us privately, we'll say the same thing. I don't know. Ask the elders on both sides we, what we've just said. We just don't know. But it really is interesting and fun following the one that does know. Amen. Optimism. Number three is perseverance. 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 Everyone say perseverance. I'm nearly done. I've got five minutes. I've got five minutes. Perseverance. And I'm halfway through my message, but I've still got five minutes. Perseverance. Everyone say perseverance. James chapter one. You can turn there yourself. You can look it up. You can read it. You can study it. James chapter one says this. this, this says this. James is written to a young church. He says, consider it pure joy. Everyone say pure joy. When you face trials 
of many different kinds, and then he changes gear. Watch this. Because you know that it is the testing of your faith that produces perseverance. In other words, the word joy there is calm delight. In other words, it is well with my soul. It's okay. I, I don't know. I'm not going to be moved either way. With Jesus, they couldn't flatter him or flatten him. One minute they're saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he. The next minute, the same people are saying, crucify him. But calm delight, consider it calm delight, pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because you know it is the testing of your faith that must, that produces perseverance, and watch this, that must finish its work so that we can become mature and complete and lack nothing. Isn't that amazing? That's where God is trying to get us to do. So if people who have a hope, number one, they've got to check their heart. Number two, is, it, are there, is there an optimism or a pessimism? And I'm suggesting this morning that we stay optimistic. And number three, that we persevere because it's perseverance that must finish its work so that we can become mature and complete and lack nothing. And number four, church, number four is the letter E. You're still with me? Good. Is E and E is for expectation. Living in expectation. A little bit further on in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 5, and if you were here last week, I, I talked about this and unpacked this a little bit, but Luke chapter 5 is the story where Jesus walks up to the, to the disciples when they were still fishermen. And that night they caught nothing. Just very quickly, this will, this will bless somebody here. And I think I'm going to end with this and then we're going to pray. When you're at a low point and you most need hope, there's something, there is a key that we can do to get ready for the next miracle. And this is what it is. I've got three minutes. They were on the Sea of Galilee. It's not actually a sea. It's actually a lake, those who've been there. It's about 33 miles round. And it's... The lowest fresh water on the planet, about 700 feet below sea level. The only other place that's lower than that is the Dead Sea, but it's not fresh. So these fishermen had fished all night and they'd caught nothing. Think about it for a moment. They're at a low point. They fished all night. They'd caught nothing. Jesus rocks up. He asked Peter if he could use his boat. He steps into the boat and begins to teach them. And he says, Peter... Come here. And there's something I just want to just put in here. He asked him if he could use his boat, then he gets into the boat and starts to teach them. But there's, there's a key here. When Jesus found them, they were mending and washing their nets. Everyone say, washing your nets. Here's the expectation. If you're at the low point in your life and everything you do feels like it's unfruitless, wash your nets. Church, living in expectation when you've worked all night, you're at the lowest point and you've caught nothing. Wash your nets. Washing your nets is a key to live in expectation for the catch that's about to come. Mending their nets, you have to have some, something in you when you've worked all night and caught nothing, but you're determined to mend your nets 
You're determined to wash, to prepare for what's next. And if God, when he, he rocks up like Mary and finds us that a heart that is ready, if God finds a people of hope that when he rocks up to give us an instruction, he finds us living in expectation because we're washing our nets ready for the next catch, even if we're at a low point and we've caught nothing. All Jesus said is he said, Peter, will you get back into the boat and put your net on the other side, which is about four feet those boats were, and lower them down. And Peter said this. He said, Master, we have fished all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will do it. And church, they caught so much fish their nets began to break their boats began to sink and they called all the other partners together the other boats the other fishermen to come and help them with the catch my question to you is this if we don't live in expectation we stop doing the simple things like washing our nets like mending our nets we stop living in a place of expectation we stop living in a place of hope, and hope deferred makes the heart sick. But if we continue to do those little things, I'm going to sow my net. Oh, don't neglect the gathering of the saints. Be careful what you say. Guard your heart above all things. Persevere. Live in expectation. I'm not going to stop giving. I'm going to live of my life. I'm going to live with eternity in my heart. I'm going to fix my eyes I'm not on what is seen, because what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Can we all stand? Just close your eyes for a moment. If you can, just put your hand on your heart. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Just close your eyes for a moment. I just want God to minister to you. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the great comforter. We thank you that you're the great counselor. And in this room right now, I thank you, Lord, that you know each one of us better than we know ourselves. You know what we need. You know what each church family needs. And God, I ask right now, Holy Spirit, that you would touch us. Even from the foolishness of preaching, we thank you that your word is alive. Your word is the final authority. It's your voice in print. It's the only book we'll ever read when you, the author, are always present. Holy Spirit, right now, just from these these scriptures that we've read about hope and not living with a sick heart but living in a heart that's healed and ready to receive good news. That we would live in a place of optimism, not pessimism. That we would guard our heart and we'd guard our tongue from what we say. That when trials come, that we would persevere and push through and not give up. Most of all, Lord, that we, you would find in us a people of expectation living in a place of expectation. Lord, I ask that you'd show us right now what our nets are, whether it's in our marriage, whether it's with our children, whether it's in our own private life, if things that we've neglected where holes have come in the nets, whether we've just stopped cleaning things with your word, whether we've just neglected the daily disciplines of being with you, spending time with you, saying good morning, Holy Spirit, speak to me.
whether it's been the, the, the neglecting of just being with your people and getting sharpened and encouraged together. Lord, find us afresh today. And Lord, just thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that you're our, you are our commander-in-chief. We thank you that you're the CEO. We thank you that you are our father and we get to be your kids. And Lord, we humbly just stand before you today. And we say, Lord, we've no, we don't really know, no idea what you're doing, but we do know that you're leading us. We do know that you're speaking to us. And Lord, for each and every one of us, Lord, that you would warm our hearts as we leave this place today, knowing that you are El Shaddai, knowing that you are with us. You are our provider. You're the one that leads us. You're the one that never stops speaking. Bless, bless these families. Bless your kids. In Jesus' name. 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 Amen. Amen. Love you guys. This is so good. Whew. You know, I was, we were meeting with elders yesterday, and John Washko said, talked about the law of synergy. And I, I looked it up this morning, and the law of synergy means this. Synergy means to combine the force of many to enhance the power of one. One horse can pull 8,000 pounds. Two horses can pull 24,000 pounds. Three times as many. Good at math, see? Three times as many. I just want to say this, that God is doing something. Afterwards, we'll have a language for it. We don't yet. But in the meantime, let's say, God, you've joined us together, and this is going to be fun, and let's go on a journey and figure out why. Amen? So can I just encourage you, just as these guys, as Wes just plays a little bit, just go and give somebody a hug. Go and say hi. Introduce yourselves to someone. Just be yourself, and just let's just get to know each other. And if you need to go, God bless you. And uh, we're going to keep doing this week after week and just go on a journey with God, and it's fun. Amen? Love you guys. Have a great, great, great week.